And we've been in this series in Galatians, and we are on chapter 3. We're in chapter 3 of Galatians. And we've been calling this whole entire series Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Because we need freedom. We need to know that it isn't in our power, it isn't in our work, it isn't in all of our efforts that we're going to make ourselves right before God, but that God gave us peace, he gave us freedom, he gave us love. Now, just a little bit of a backstory because last week we had Pastor Evan come and he killed it and he preached on a few verses about how we are justified by faith, but I want to bring you back to the context of Galatians again and remind you, you can go and listen to that sermon, it would be helpful, um, the sermon on Galatians 1, it's all of our sermons are up on SoundCloud or any place you podcast, search Epiphany, Gloucester, and you'll find them, but you know, if we wanted to look at a book from Paul that was peaceful and very well articulated and well reasoned and logical, we would look at Romans. <laughs> but if we want to look at a book where Paul is angry, <laughs> where Paul is in his feelings, where, where Paul feels personally wronged, and yet he's dropping bombs of the gospel, we would look in the short book of Galatians. And I, I'm pretty sure like this, the Lord led us to this book in this season because Paul is dropping bombs if we will open up our ears and hear. We started right off in the text when I was reading it, right? He's like, you foolish Galatians. Who put a spell on you? And so I'm going to give away the sermon, which is a bad idea when you're a preacher. You know, you're not supposed to you're just sort of hide it and wait and tease it and then be like, this is the point. But I'm just going to give you the point right away. This, and it's in the title. The spell of self. We fall under a spell. In the King James, it says, who has bewitched you? In our, in our versions, who put a spell on you? So it's not just like, hey, you're being foolish and you're thinking wrong and funny and fuzzy, but actually, no, like you are so caught up and have gone so far astray. I'm wondering, like, are you literally just under a spell? How are you captivated by this? And everything they were captivated by was the same things that we naturally are captivated by. It's this desire to after having started off in the faith and received God's gift in the spirit to move on and try to complete that in our own efforts. We desperately want to prove ourselves. Every single one of us, we desperately want to make ourselves worthy of God's grace. And we can't. And we shouldn't. You know, I remember being a new believer. And I remember overhearing some people that came back from a mission, uh, they were on mission 
somewhere in South America, and they, they talked about how somehow somebody they were involved with, I don't remember the details anymore, um, but I do remember my reaction. They were talking about how somebody was forging some paperwork so that a certain family could stay together, and also they were, what I learned later, they were at serious risk of being killed. And my response is, and it's so, it's so crazy to think about it, you know, like, you ever think about the things you thought and said and did, like, years ago, and you're just, or like last week, and you just put your hand on your head, like, what was I doing, you know? And, and I was just thinking, like, like, but you, you know, you can't, you can't forge papers, you know, you can't, you know, you can't. You can't break the rules. And I think it's amazing because just months before that, I was a straight-up atheist, right? Months before that, I, I was just completely confused about life. And I thought that, you know, life is whatever you make it. And I would have had no problem with that story before. Like, oh, cool, they helped somebody. But somehow, I went from a pagan idiot to a religious idiot in a matter of six months. I, I remember many other examples. I remember my, my aunt, you know, like, like kind of like how we have Gloucester aunts. She wasn't really my aunt, but you know what I mean? She was my aunt. And uh, I, I remember she went out and adopted some kids that were in need. And I remember saying, like, a dumb, you know, 16-year-old Christian for two days. Like, I, I really think kids should grow up in a family with, like, a father, You know, and, and it's like, you know, if I could go and, and meet that kid, I'd like smack him around a little bit, right? Because <laughs> these kids went from a really bad situation where they had no hope at all to a place where they were showered with love, you know? And Paul is talking about this, this thing that, that gets each and one, every one of us, where we get so stuck on the rules and we get so stuck on the works that we can do and our minds get kind of messed up and one of the ways you can know that you're like you're out of the spirit is when you just want you know love for you but for everybody else you want law that's one way you know you are not in God's spirit when all the time you're like, I have had a hard life. I have a whole reason, list of reasons why I've gotten to this point and made these bad decisions. So I need a little break and I need some grace and I need some love. But then when I look at somebody else, law, <laughs> rules. <laughs> We're so focused on rules, sometimes to the point of neglecting the ruler and the king. We are caught up in this spell of self. And we all want this, you know, our, our, our flesh wants rules. We want to figure out, okay, tell me what to do because it feels really bad to just be sort of hanging and waiting for God's mercy sometimes. Like we want to know, like what is it that I can do to make X, Y, Z happen? Give me the rules, you know? And, you know, I grew up, um, came from a Catholic background. There's lots of rules, 
about everything. <laughs> okay? There are lots of fundamentalists, right? And some, some folks here have come from those backgrounds. There are rules about everything. And you don't even have to be religious to get into this, right? So there's all these little parties, you know, and there's the conservative political party, and there's the liberal way of thinking. And you know what? Each one of them has their own set of rules. There's a legalistic tribe for every one of you. It's like Baskin Robbins, right? There's a whole bunch of flavors, and you can get with a bunch of people that think like you, and you can just kind of hang out together and look down on everybody else. Because legalism runs deep in our blood. Now, when Paul talks about flesh, right, he talks about the works of the flesh or completing what you started in faith in the flesh. What do you think about when you hear the flesh? I don't know about you, but probably you think about like the bookstores on 130, right? You probably think about people getting drunk and fighting at the VFW. You probably think about, you know, people in addiction. You probably think the flesh, right? It sounds really bad, but Paul uses it in both ways. He, he uses the sins of the flesh, and he does talk about, you know, just going out there and running through men, running through women, going out there and, you know, getting into fights and just trying to please yourself. But he also uses this idea of flesh to talk about how we try to be good enough apart from God. We just try to make things happen without God. And, and that is a work of the flesh. We're just trying to do life on our own. Pa last week, Pastor Evan asked us, what do you do to justify yourself? See, ingrained in us is this idea of following rules to justify ourselves somehow in some way. And you know what? We should follow rules. <laughs> Yesterday, I, 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 I got a bike and I had a really you know, good friend in town come with me to the DMV. Um, and, you know, he saw that I put down the full amount for the value of the bike. And it's kind of like, well, who does that, right? Like, you can just save some money on taxes, right? And, and I just explained that. So it was like a long time ago, I just made a decision. I made a decision that it, it, it may be harder, but it's certainly a lot less complex to just be a hundred in all these areas of my life. So like we're not stealing cable, right? I mean, I'm talking about like so-called little things, right? But this is just what we're gonna do. Not lying on our taxes and not cheating on people. A lot of times we think like as long as we're cheating on somebody or like an organization or something that has a lot of resources, well then it doesn't really count. That we get a mulligan for that. You know, like if you were to like, if you were to take advantage of me, that's somebody who lives, you know, on Powell Street over by the middle school and you know that's going to hurt me. But if you like did that and, and, and kind of made some stuff up to keep insurance or, you know, keep a benefit or, you know, to your big company that you work for, well, that's different. <laughs> but 
But that honesty just is something that flows out of what should be our integrity and our witness as followers of Jesus. And and we need to be reminded of this, that the shortcut is always the long cut. (laughs) Right? The way that seems easy and right to a man or a woman, right? What ends up happening? (laughs) You think you got hooked up. I remember the first day I, I, we moved into, we, we, we lived for, in Kensington for 10 years. And I, I remember like moving in and like walking down the street. And I met this guy who had a skateboard and whatever. And he had keys where you could get into the L, which is elevated train, right? And you could get into the exit lane. He made a key so you could just walk up the exit lane and basically free rides forever on the L. <laughs> Day one, (laughs) welcome to Kensington, right? And then, you know, you sit around and you watch yourself. You've seen it in your own life and your family and your friend's life. What is the end result of that life? It's not pretty. It's actually very ugly. It's just snowballs. And your life just comes completely apart and the, car, the wheels just come off the car, right? And you crash and you make a mess of things. But here is what I want to get back to in this text. Following the rules. Well, in all those examples, our demonstration of living a life of integrity, following the rules also has a truly dark side. I saw a quote somewhere that said, You know, a religious person does what someone tells them to do, but a spiritual person does what's right regardless of what people tell them. Did you hear that? Paul is saying, and I know those categories can be confusing because sometimes when people say I'm spiritual, not religious, what they mean is I don't want to have any authority over my life. I want to pick and choose whatever I want to believe. That's like the cultural thing, but I'm taking it a little more old school than that, where spiritual means, listen, it's not just some words in a book. You know, it's not just some black and white scribbles, but it's a living reality in my spirit. It's, it's what I breathe. It's real. And what happens is, We lean hard on rules and somebody telling us exactly what to do because our own barometer is broken. I've I've shared this before, like like the dear sister that told me, you know, I quit my job. Why would you quit your job? Because they were cursing at work. Okay, so now you're homeless because you couldn't handle people cursing at work. Oh, and by the way, what job are you going to be at where they're not cursing at work? I, I don't know those jobs. But, like, our barometers are broken. Our GPS is broken and messed up. And we don't know how to evaluate things. And that's why we need the Spirit of God living in us. 
And it's not just some rules. You know, the law of God is like a tutor. The law of God is good to study. It's good to study the Ten Commandments. It's good to know the Word of God. It's good to see other people's examples in life. But what we tend to do is we go from one extreme to the other. We go from like active addiction to like a couple weeks later, we're clean and we're like judging everybody else in town. (laughs) Right? I know you've seen it. I know you've seen it. You go from, like what I was talking about me, right? Like dumb into druidism, into the occult, dumb atheist thinking, you know, I just kind of create my reality in my mind to months later telling my aunt, like, I don't think you should adopt these kids because, you know, you don't have a man. We go from one kind of idiocy, right, to another. From lawlessness to legalism. And God wants us to walk down that middle lane of love, that middle lane of the spirit, of grace. See, because all this stuff, all this legal, this false religion, it's full of self, it's full of the spell of self. And, and, and it, it looks like this, it looks like relying on yourself, which will always lead you by yourself. It looks like relying on yourself which leads to self-righteousness. It looks like relying on yourself, which looks like self-sabotage. One of the reasons we try to complete in the flesh what we started in the spirit is that we think we can become worthy of God's forgiveness and his grace. And uh, if you're here and it's been, there's been some level of like wandering from Jesus and you're wondering if you're worthy to come back again, you know, I want to give you, I just want to lay down some facts for you. You weren't worthy the first time. Like you were never worthy. Like you could have came to Christ when you were five years old and grew up in an amazing Christian family and went to Bible school and never done a bad thing, never even got a parking ticket, right? But you were never worthy. And so if you're wondering, like, do I have to work really hard to, be, to justify myself, to be worthy? The answer is no. You need, to, you need to rest. You need to receive God's love. He loves you because he loves you. He loves you. Paul says Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. See, the Galatians, they were not in Jerusalem. There might have been some of them there, and then they, like, fled and landed in Galatia. But most of the people that he's writing to didn't physically see Jesus hanging on the cross. But he's saying, guess what? You saw it. And I don't know about you, but this is always the, the beginning of true spiritual awakening. This is always the beginning of becoming a Christian, is that you see in your spirit that Jesus actually hung on the cross for you. That his beard was pulled out because of your selfishness. That he was beaten and punched. And they put the cloak over him and they said, prophesy, who hit you? And they put that crown of thorns and he couldn't see clear because blood was running down his eyes. And you see that and you see all the pain that Jesus went to, went through and you realize this was all because he loved me. And all your pathetic attempts, right? 
they like, what are you going to do when God died for you? What are you going to add to that? The answer is nothing. And sometimes, though, we get caught up into this, we get caught under this spell. You know what we do? We're like, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to, and you make these promises. You're like, I'm going to read my Bible every day, but like, God, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And God is the giver of gifts. He is not someone you can manipulate to get your gifts. You know, Paul talks about, in this passage, he talks about not just that you get your righteousness through faith and through the Spirit, and that, you know what also, this has always puzzled me, he talks about working miracles. Man, it's, I, I've, I look at this all completely different nowadays. Um, one of the stumblings we, blocks we have is that we see miracles and we see, you know, someone we know who's healed and we look at who healed them or who God used, right? If we have those experiences and a lot of times we're like, but they shady, Dude got divorced. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, dude is doing X, Y, and Z. And we're like scratching our heads. And, and the way we can go about this is just to be like, hey, listen, you know, there's no way God is blessing that guy. He's in balance. Or he has like one false teaching that we don't like. You know what I mean? And we just write it all off and say, you know what? God doesn't do that stuff anymore. But the reality is, is that some people do help people have faith and help them believe God for things. And it has nothing to do with their record. And it has nothing to do with their rule keeping. Do you hear me? And listen, listen. We need some miracles in Gloucester City. We are in a town stunned by drugs. I've done more funerals than I can remember in just a year. Mental illness, depression are like an epidemic. And just apathy to like God at all. I remember when we lived in Philly and we, my wife and her mother painted this beautiful Noah's Ark scene in the, in, the, in the kids' room, like every single wall. And I remember all the kids would come through and come play in their room and nobody knew what that was. We are living in a situation, in a climate where people do not know God. When we moved on our block... Right? Just five blocks from here. Not a single family on the block. Not, there was not a single married couple. Everybody my age and younger, nobody was baptized. So people were growing up without the church. So we need some miracles because this is our mission field. <laughs> but we say what Paul says here, that the miracles come through faith, the, the breakthroughs come through faith, and we say, like the old prophet Zechariah prophesied, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So I'm going to call you tonight to lean entirely on God and his grace. For your joy, we're going to get to that in chapter 4. Like you need joy because joy is your strength. 
Do you know you can be wrecked? Do you know that your life can be a complete train wreck and you can still have a foundation of joy? I know that because, well, because I've experienced it, right? When I'm, when I'm at the precipice of, of watching families lose the light of life, right? I, I, I know it because I, I have brothers and sisters, right? We, we led people to the Lord over in Rwanda when we served there. And they had joy and they just got kidnapped by their uncle because they came from a Muslim family and they got beat up, hospital bad, and they didn't know if they were going to live. But they were able to put one foot in front of the other. So I know whatever you're going through, I know it, that you can have a joy. I know that you can have these miracles. You can see God break through into your life. And, and Paul talks about here, for your righteousness, for your joy, for miracles, and for your righteousness. What do we do? We have faith in the grace of God. The recipe isn't follow all the rules harder, try harder, grind harder, but rest completely in his grace. And uh, only when the worship team can come up, only when everything is a gift do you really start to live what God meant for you as a Christian. Only when, like, you just get rid of all the, all the ideas of you earning something. Only when you just toss in the trash bin all these thoughts and ideas and feelings like, I'm better than anybody else. Only when you get to the point where you realize, like, this is all a gift from God. This is grace. This is 100% his gift to me. Only then can you experience in your heart a heart that's full of the spirit that is as we're going to talk about in chapter 5, right, that, that bursts out love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. Only when you realize, like, listen, I wasn't worthy. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to stop trying. I'm just going to receive this gift for me. Only then do you start to get some momentum in your life, in the faith. And yeah, you'll grow. and You'll be a more loving person. You'll be more like Jesus. And when you sin, it'll, it'll hurt you even more than it does now. And you'll repent quick. And God will give you a shorter and shorter chain. <laughs> but it isn't a chain of the law. It's a chain of love. It's not, I'm trying to prove something. It's, I want to please my Father in heaven. Amen.